An incredible Rashi Sicha, which mostly is focused on one word. One word, the word ki, kuf, uh, kof yud. Very small word, and yet we find this word being used four different times at the beginning of a section with regards to going to Mulchama, to war. And each time is explained by Rashi in a unique way. And therefore, we will spend some time today understanding why and how Rashi explains each one differently. And it's very kedai to have a chumish with you. Maybe in the uh, when we get to Oiz Beis, uh, we're going to be referring to various different psukim, and a chumish would be very helpful. So let us begin with this week's parsha, because the other three psukim are in last week's parsha, parsha Shoftim. The beginning is the beginning of this parsha, Kiseitzi la Melchama. Betchilis parsha seinu, Maitik Rashi es Ateves Kiseitzi la Melchama. This parsha begins with the if you go out to war. It's talking about uh, bringing home a captive from the war. And it begins so Rashi quotes these three words and says this is talking about a voluntary or a non-obligatory war. Just to explain what that means, when the Yidden came to Eretz Yisrael, they were obligated, as it was a mitzvah, to conquer Eretz Yisrael from the seven nations. And this is called the Melchamas Chayva, an, obli- an obligatory war. In this war against the Shiva, the Shiva Amim, the seven nations, they were not supposed to allow any uh, living survivors. It says that nobody should survive. Then, once the Yidden conquered Eretz Yisrael, and they want to go to war to expand their control or to conquer a new land, this would be called Milchemes Rishos. There's no obligation, there's no mitzvah to do it, but if they want to and they feel they can, then they are allowed to as long as they follow certain guidelines uh, brought, taught in the Torah. So Rashi says this this idea that a person could bring back could go to the war and bring back home a, a captive from the war is talking about Muhammad Rishus. And Rashi's proof, Rashi says, If this was talking about the Muhammad uh, to conquer Eretz Israel, which was a Muhammad's mitzvah or a Muhammad's chayva, the Pasuk wouldn't be able to continue and say and you will bring home a captive because the Pasuk elsewhere already told us this uh, that you're not allowed to leave anyone alive so there's no one to bring home any captive that gets caught has to be killed and therefore obviously if the Pasuk continued with it must be we must be talking about Earlier on in Parshas Vayeda, Rashi says the word ki 
could be used for four different interpretations, four, in four different contexts. E, if, Dilma, maybe, Ella, but, the ha, because. So, ki could either mean if, if you will do something. Ki could mean maybe you will do something or maybe this will happen. Ella, but, ki, it, 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 it shouldn't be like this, but, ki, in this and this way, but, only in this and this way. And the ha means because, ki, because. Shemiyah Seder Muvan, from this order of Rashi, I, Dilma, Ela, Daha, it's understood, the Pirush Achi Pasha Shoki, who I, Im, that the simplest, most basic understanding of the word Ki is if. In, in Aramaic would be I, in Hebrew it's Im, in English it's if. Meaning to say it's a suffix, it's a doubt whether it will be. When you say if, I don't know if it will happen, I don't know if it won't happen. So I say, if it'll happen. And that's the most basic, simplest understanding of the word ki. So based on this comes a question. Rashi could have used a, 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 at least a secondary proof it wouldn't be the main proof because key has other meanings, but it could have been at least a secondary proof. From the fact that the pasuk says ki if you will go to war, not when you will go to war, or it may it, 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 it will be when you will go to war, or other such uh, terms that mean when, or that it's going to happen, the fact that the Pasuk says ki, which we just explained to mean if, that if you will go to war, implies that it's, that it's, that it's voluntary, that it's your choice. So if ki, like we explained in the previous paragraph, in the most basic form means if, then why does Rashi not use that as a proof, at least as a secondary proof, to the fact that this is talking about a Mulchemes Rishos? Uli Idach, conversely, now that we're not using Ki to teach us that it's Mulchemes Rishos, but Rashi is still coming to tell us what kind of war it is. And this proof is from the words, you'll bring in a captive. And obviously if there's a captive, means you're leaving them alive. Obviously this is talking about a, a, a non-mandatory, non-mitzvah war. And Rashi is not using the word key as a proof. Then in that case, the words kiseise are totally superfluous in the Dibra Maschil. Rashi should have said the word la melchama and say, which melchama? Melchamas rishus, a non-mandatory war. Why does Rashi include the words kiseise if they're not serving any purpose? So those are our two questions, or are really one question, but from two different angles on the, on, on the Rashi in this Pasuk. 
Number one, why is Kiseitse not used as a proof that we're talking about a Melchemes Rishus? And since we're not using Kiseitse as a proof, why is Kiseitse included in the Dibur HaMazcha? Now, in the previous parasha, parasha Shaiftim, Nimtza Gimel Pa'amim Kibin Agayam we find Ki three times with regards to going to war. Al Dedach Shu Parsha Seinu, similar to the Ki in our parasha, which is also uh, a, a, a parasha about going to war. Ubechol Pam, Pirish Dashi Ubeif and Shayna Meyasha are Umid the Parsha Seinu. And all three, each time Rashi is different one from the other and also different from the Rashi in our Parsha. Which means the four of them together are going to each have uh, four different or are going to have four different uh, interpretations of the word key respectively. So I have a Chumash in front of me. So I'm going to pause for a second and I'm going to go, I'm going to point out the three the three keys. The beginning of, of Perek Chav, Chav Pasek Aleph, says, Kiseitzi la mochama alivecha, if you go out to war against your enemies, v'reisa sus v'rechev, am rav mimcha, you're going to see horses and chariots and a great multitudes of people much greater than you. Leisira mehem, you shouldn't be afraid, ki Hashem alekecha, imach, Hashem is with you. And later the parasha speaks about the fact that when they would go to war, the shaitrim, the officers would speak to the people and basically anybody who wasn't ready to go to war uh, would be sent back home. So you have kiseitse number one, key number one, which is kiseitse, talking about not being afraid of going to war. What, uh, what does Rashi say? Rashi says, says nothing. Rashi does not say anything. He does not explain what kind of war this is. The next one is in Pasik Yud. This is key number two. This says if you, if you, if you, when you approach a city to battle against it, first you should, you should approach them in peace. You should offer them peace. Here, Rashi right away says, He says, This is talking about a non obligatory war, not mandatory war. And he brings a raya because later in the Pasuk it says, this is what you should do to the faraway cities, implying that this is not about Eretz Yisrael, this is about cities that are further away, obviously not, not talking about Eretz Yisrael. And, and so this one is about uh, Then you have in Pasik Yutes, key number three, this is Kisotzer Elir Yamim Rabim, if you will besiege the city for many days, Lilachim Allah to go to battle against it. And this is about not destroying fruit trees when, uh, if you need wood to, uh, to help you out in your war efforts. So key number one, which is the key about not being afraid, Rashi says nothing. 
Key number two, which is about Kisikra Velir, the Karasa Lel Shalom Rashi right away says that it's Muhammad Rishus and brings a raya from the fact that it says We'll see this inside in a moment. And key number three, which is about not destroying fruit trees, Rashi doesn't say anything on, on key. But later in the Pasik, when he says the word Rabim, Rashi says it says Yamim Rabim Yamim days Rabim. Uh, many. So Yomim means two. Rabim, the fact that it says Rabim on top of Yomim, it means at least three days. You should give at least three days to uh, the, the, the land that you're conquering to accept your peace offering. And because of this, we learn that you shouldn't besiege a city less than three days before Shabbos because you don't want the, the whatever happens, the, whether they don't accept or do accept the class with Shabbos. And then Rashi ends, and he just gives a statement, this is talking about but he does not explain why or what the raya is, what the proof is. So this is the third way. So, let's see this in some. We're holding the last line of page 78. If you'll go out to war and you will see a, a, a lot of people and uh, the, the numbers are much greater than you, you shouldn't be afraid of them. Rashi does not explain what kind of war this is about. If this is a, a, a war of choice or this is a war of obligation. The Sifri does say that this is a talking about a, a, a war of choice. Nevertheless, Rashi doesn't say anything. Key number two. Rashi quotes the words and explains that this is talking about a war of choice, a non-mandatory war. As is explained expressly in this very, uh, in this very concept, this is how you should do to the faraway cities, implying that we're not talking about Eres Yisrael. Then you have key number three. If you will besiege a city for many days. Rashi does not bring on the beginning of this part of this section. Where he says the words. Rashi doesn't say anything. Only after Rashi quotes the word Rabbin and explains that Rabbin means three days. From this you learn that you shouldn't begin a siege three days before Shabbos. And you learn that you should offer peace two or three days before you conquer. Rashi continues in that very same and we're talking about a non-mandatory war, a war of choice. So on this we're going to have a number of questions. Aleph, Madua Rashi al-Aposik, Kisikra v'l-ir goymar, v'yalderech za al-Aposik, Kisotzer el-ir, Einoi mistayeya le-pirushoi, T'umulchemes r-Rishus ha-Kos Medaber, Me'aloshin kiseitzei kisotzer. Or rather, it's really Kisikrav. And the and, and, and number one, key number one, Rashi said nothing. Okay. But on key number two and key number three, 
where Rashi is telling us that it's B'mechemes Rishus. In one, he brought a Sadaya from El Aram From the other one, he brought a Raya from, he didn't bring any Raya at all. Why doesn't he use the word Ki? The same question we had on Kiseitse, why doesn't he use the word Ki? Just, I circled over here the word Seitse, the la, in the last line of the column, because the Cha'ira, the question, is on the Pasa Kisikrav, so, he should, so it should have said Kisikrav, I think. But um, the question is understood. We'll, we'll, we'll leave this one word for later, for after the Shir. The question is, why does Rashi not, when Rashi tells us, why does Rashi not use the word Ki as a support to his position? Base. Second question. From the fact that Rashi on Kisikra, which is key number two, where Rashi says that we're talking about but his raya, his proof is from a few psukim later, but nevertheless, Rashi doesn't wait until those words but Rashi already here by Kisikrav already brings the words Mashma that implies it's obvious that Rashi believes that in the words Kisikrav you could also pick up That we're talking about Muhammad Surashus. And then Farashi says it here, because even from here you could already know that we're talking about Muhammad Surashus. But this is not a sufficient proof. Therefore, he brings a stronger proof. So maybe that's why in the previous paragraph it says Kiseitse, because Kisikrev we're going to discuss over here. But then. But then why does, why does he, in the beginning of the parak, he says, Kisikrav. I don't want to throw anyone off, so let's go back on topic. So, question based, is basically telling us like this. That for the fact that Rashi doesn't wait for the words, Ha'arim or Ha'chaikas, and right away on Kisikrav, brings the, the, the words, M'mechemes or Rishus, it means that Rashi understands that even from Kisikrav, there's already an implication of M'mechemes or Rishus, but it is an insufficient implication, and therefore we also need the, the second raya, the stronger raya of Kintasal Chal Armar But on this any movement, we have three questions. Number one, What is the proof of Kisikrav This one says Ki. The others said Ki. We didn't use those proofs. All of a sudden, over here, he says Ki. And, 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 and he uses it as a proof. Why is the key, by the Kisikrav a better proof? In Kisetsi, he says nothing. In Kisatsur, he doesn't bring it until later. And over here, he brings it right away. What's the difference? They all have the same key. If there is a proof, and because of that, Rashi says it right away, then why does Rashi need a second proof? Gimel. Because 
In the our parsha, he said because it says misavisa shivya. In the parsha of kisikrav, he says he says that it's because it says haarum rochikis. But by kisotzur, he says but says nothing. So this is a gimel, not. A hemshech to this aleph and base here. This is a gimel, a hemshech to the other aleph and base. If you notice, the first two aleph and bases only have one, uh, only have a half parenthesis. Then there's an aleph and base with a whole parenthesis that is uh, uh, the sub points of question base. And then there's question gimel. So let's do this again just to make sure that everyone is with us. Question aleph is why does Rashi not use the word key? As a proof that those two places where he says why doesn't he use key as a proof? Question two is a double-edged question. On the one hand, why? What do I see in Kisikrav that tells me that because of that Rashi uh, uh, says those words on Kisikrav? Number two, whatever that is, what is lacking in it, that because of that Rashi needs a secondary raya of Arim Arachikas. So we're done with our questions. We're going to go to Gimel to the Biur. And just to give you a glimpse into the Biur, the word key, meaning if, doesn't necessarily go on the word that comes immediately after it. Sometimes you could say the if is when you finish describing the situation. So you could say, if you're going to go to war and something else might happen. So the key is not going on the war part, it's going on what might happen when you go to war. And if that's what you're using the key for, then you, then you can't use the key for going to war because the key is already being used for something else in the Pasuk. And that's how we're going to understand various different keys that we just spoke about in these Pesukim. And let's see it inside. In our parsha, when it says, if you will go out to war, it right away describes the situation and you will bring home a captive. Even if hypothetically we were talking about an obligatory war, even if this was hypothetically a mandatory war, you still have to use the word key, implying if, because it's a might, it's an if, whether you will find a captive or not. There is no compelling proof from the word key that we're talking about because the key, even if the key means if, it's talking about if you'll find a captive. And therefore Rashi has to bring a different diet. From Vishavisa Shivya, from the fact that you can even bring a captive and you're not obligated to kill them because he can't rely on key. Because key is, is there to describe 
the, if it'll be a specific situation of even finding a captive to bring home. Oh, so this answers our, our first question. Why does Rashi not use ki seitze, ki as a proof that it's a molchames or a shus? Very simple, because the key, meaning if, is there because of the question, we don't know if you're going to find a captive or not. And therefore it's key, if you will find a captive, then you have to follow these instructions that the Pasuk tells us, the Torah tells us. And therefore, we still don't know whether it's a Mulchemes Rishos or not. Therefore, Rashi has to bring a separate Raya. But then, this leads us to question two. If we're not learning from Kiseitze, that we're talking about Mulchemes Rishos, why does Rashi even quote the words Kiseitze? And this is what we're going to answer now. But now we can explain why Rashi quotes the words Kiseitze in his Dibra Maschil. Because once I know that we are talking about a Muhammad's Rishus, it changes the understanding of the words Ki and Seitze. And therefore, Rashi has to right away bring the words kiseitze to tell us that kiseitze means, the meaning of the word is based on the fact that we're talking about Muhammad Rishos, even though we didn't learn it from kiseitze, but once we learned it from Vishavisa Shivye, the meaning of the words ki and seitze change. What's the difference? How is it changing? If we were talking about hypothetically about a Muhammad Chayva, an obligatory war, then the word ki, meaning if, would have been only about Vesavisa Or else we would say that it is connected to the word But ki doesn't mean if, ki means when, because it's a Muhammad Chayva. So key would have meant either when, or it would have meant if you bring home a captive. Now that I know that we're talking about the Muhammad, then key can also be applied to the word in its simple meaning that key means if, if you're gonna to go to war. Because it's a, it's an because it's not it's not an obligate it's not an obligatory war. So now that I know that it's Muhammad Susus, key could be applied to say Sidam Muhammad. Also in the word Taitsay. The, the meaning changes. If we were talking about conquering Eretz Israel, we wouldn't be able to, to translate it in a very in, in, in a physical sense, which would mean going out from their dwelling place to the location of the war. 
Sharei lehoya as a dime of nisa v'akim kavod. The Yidden didn't have a permanent dwelling place. That was the whole purpose of the war. To conquer Eretz Yisrael and turn it into a permanent dwelling place for the Yidden. Therefore, if we were talking about a Mulchemes Chayva, which means the war that we're conquering Eretz Yisrael, Kiseitse would have meant in a spiritual sense. Going out from a state of tranquility, a, 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 a feeling of tranquility, to a state of preparation for war. Just like he mentions in the Ha'orah, when it says, All those who were going out to war. It didn't mean they were actually going out from somewhere. It means that they were ready to go to war. So, would have meant, If you're going to go out from your state of peacefulness, of tranquility, into a preparation for war. But now that Asi tells us that we're talking about a non-mandatory war, then literally, leaving Eretz Yisrael to the place where the enemy is that needs to be conquered. So even though we couldn't learn a raya from Kiseitze, because Ki is referring to Vishavisa Shivyay, nevertheless, once we know that Ki Taka means if you will go to war, and Teitze means you will leave, you will exit, you will go out from Eretz Yisrael to wherever the war is. And therefore Rashi right away tells you because it's relevant to the Taich of Kiseitze. So this answers our two-part question on the Kiseitze in our parsha. Now in Ois Dalet, we're going to move to the three keys that were in Parsha Shefti. <laughs> This is why Rashi says nothing. In, in the key number one, in Parsha Shaftim, we said that Rashi doesn't say anything. Because if you look at the words, it's possible to explain that we're talking about a, an obligatory war. Vitevas ki im tenai, and the word ki, which means if, which means it's a conditional, it's a maybe situation, museves is being applied to the words, and you will see a lot of people, you will see people, more people than you. This Scenario that you're going to see a lot of people is not a definite scenario. Sometimes they'll show up to the war and you won't see anyone. They're hiding in the bushes. You don't know what you're going to see. So key means if you're going to see a lot of people. So the key is being applied to the Vareisa Amrav Mimcha. And therefore I can't use the key to teach me the and since nowhere else in that section of the parsha is there any compelling proof that we're talking about Muhammad Rishus, saw some Rashi, therefore Rashi says nothing. And Rashi does not explain which Muhammad we're talking about because there's no, there, there's no proof.
And therefore, if you follow Hara 18, he says that according to Pshutish Shal Mikra, this, this uh, idea that you're not supposed to be afraid, including this idea that the Shaitrim, the officers, would announce and send people home who they felt would be detrimental to, to, the, uh, 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 to the mood of the people going to war, was applicable both by Melchemes Rishus and by Melchemes Chayva, even though both his Sifri and the Gemara do, do, don't agree with that. Both his Sifri and the Gemara say that the, the Shaitrim would only send people back by Melchemes Rishus. And we said earlier in the Sikha, on the top of page 79, that, Rash, that the Sifri says, Melchemes Rishus is a But in Psutei Shalmikra, there's no proof to that. And therefore Rashi does not say it. He says nothing. As far as Tzutis Mikra is concerned, this would be applicable both in the Melchemes Rishos and in the Melchemes Chayva. Now we're going to go, that was key number one, now we're going to go to key number three, which was Kisatzer Elir. So too when it comes to Kisatzer Elir, which is if you will besiege a city, move on, we're able to say key if even if this was talking about an obligatory war, still key could mean if. There's no obligation to conquer the city by besieging it. So going to war in a manner of besieging is not a definite. Even if the actual war was an obligation, Still, this manner of approach that you're, you're conquering through besieging the city, this is, not, uh, this is not an obligation. So the key applies to Satsal. Key applies to the fact if you will go to war by besieging. And therefore, there's no proof yet that we're talking about Mohammed's Chayva from the word Kisatsal. That's it, Rashi doesn't use the Kisotzer as a raya from Mohammed's Rishos because the key is going on the style of conquering, which is in this case besieging, not on the actual war. And therefore, Rashi doesn't bring um, the words Mohammed's Rishos on the words Kisotzer, nor does he even quote the words Kisotzer. As he does give a parsha seinu, as he does in our parsha where he says b'mulchemes shushut right on the words kiseitzei, avshem muchrech b'mulchemes shushut zagos medaver. Even though he's going to prove to us that we are talking about b'mulchemes shushut kidele kaman, as we're about to show, nevertheless, and Rashi does not bring it right away. Why? Kipirush shall tevis ki leyistanai de pirush b'mulchemes shushut because the word, the meaning of the word ki doesn't change. And even if you did tell me that it was talking about, and even if you would tell me that it's talking about the Mulchemes Chayva, I would still say Ki Satsur means if you will besiege the city. So, Ki, there's no reason for Rashi to say anything. He's not learning from Ki that the Mulchemes are just a The meaning of Ki doesn't change. Because of Muhammad Surah Shusha Kasumadabar, and therefore there's no reason for us to say anything yet. Um nom Shepesalim Shapos Zem Lamde Shakriya Shalim He Bayze Gimul Yamim 
So now like this. I just want to clarify something. This key number three, or key satsur, is the, the general concept, is the mitzvah of not uh, uh, destroying a fruit tree. Baltashas. The previous one, which we haven't spoken about yet, Kisikrav, was the mitzvah of offering peace before conquering. Nevertheless, even though we're not really talking about peace, the, the Rashi on the words Yamim Rabim, which is on this Kisatsur Alir Yamim Rabim, Rashi does address the offering of peace, which was discussed in the previous section. And Rashi says that Yamim means two, Rabim means three. From this we learn that, that uh, you should offer two or three days of uh, uh, worth of peace before conquering. So now that I understand that Yamim Rabim is talking about uh, asking for peace, and in order 19, he bring, explains, how do I know that Yamim Rabim is talking about peace? Maybe it just says, if you'll besiege a city for two or three days. Why does it mean, how do I know that it means peace? So he says, because the words, is extra. Because Kisatsur, obviously you're, you're besieging, it's for the purpose of war. So why does he have to say lilachim aleha? Also, the pasuk could have said kisatzur el ir lilachim aleha yamim rabim. If you'll besiege a city to to go to battle against it for many days, the fact that it says yamim rabim after kisatzur before lilachim aleha, this is to teach me that the yamim rabim is talking about both the kisatzur and the lilachim aleha. It's telling us two things. Number one, that kisotzer has to be for at least two or three days um, in order to give them a chance for peace. And Yamim Rabim goes also on the Yilachim that before you can go to war, you have to wait two or three days. So because Yamim Rabim is positioned after kisotzer, before Yilachim we learn from here that it's talking about the, the time period that we're waiting for Kriya Shalom. So now, now that I know that we're talking about in a case where I have to wait two, three days because I have to be, uh, I have to offer Shalom first. So now it must be talking about Muhammad Rishus. Shadik Farpiris Rashi Le'el ala Posik, Kisikra Velir Goimar Vekarasa Le'el Shalom, Muhammad Rishus Akasmadaber. We didn't explain it yet, but we do know because we brought it in earlier that Kisikra Velir. Where, the, where originally the Pasek tells us that you're supposed to wait, we're supposed to offer peace first. Rashi already told us, that when do you have to ask for peace? Only by Melchemes Rishos. So now when we're holding by Kisatsur, and he's talking about Yamim Rabim to give them some days for, to ask them for peace, it must be Melchemes Rishos, because only by Melchemes Rishos do we ask for peace. Now, he doesn't say it out clearly, but this answers question Gimel. Question Gimel was, why does Rashi not tell us uh, uh, what is the Raya that we're talking about by Kisatsur? But now it's obvious. Because as soon as he tells us that we're talking about Kriyas Shalom, and we already said in the, earlier in the parasha that Kriyas Shalom is Melchemes Rishos, Obviously, it's a Muhammad Rishos. Rashi has no need to say anything else. 
Rashi just says to tell us, if we're talking about Kriya B'Shalem, obviously it's a Mechamas V'Shoshagar Okay. So we explained key number one, which was Kiseitze La Mechamas V'Risa Amrav, that the key is, go, refer, is, is, a, is a, being applied to the V'Risa Amrav. And therefore, there's no raya that it's talking about Mechamas V'Rishos. We explained key number three, which is Kisatsu. That the key is going on the satsar, on the oithen ha-mulchama, and not on the mulchama itself. Therefore, from key there's no raya. And there's doesn't, nothing changes, whether it's lusus or chayva. Either way, it means ki satsar, uh, talking about the, 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 besie, the, the siege. And only after Rashi says, Yamim Rabin, that we're talking about kriya l'shalim, that we're asking for peace, do I, know, do I now know that we're talking about mulchama's l'shus? We still have to talk about key number two, which was Kisikra That's we have Oisheim. In that Pasik, there's no other description for which to apply the key. After the words Kisikra. If you'll approach a city to go to battle against right away he's going to the instruction. You should ask them for peace. You should call out in peace. There's no description if it'll be this, if it'll be that. So you have Shalomar Shateva's key, to say that the word key is being applied to that description. So therefore it must be that the key is referring to the war itself. Key, if you will go to war. And therefore right away Rashi says, there must be because it says key. And key means if. If you will go to war. That's what Rashi brings it right away because he's learning it from the key. Rashi does not suffice with this proof. I'm now going to introduce a new concept and that is, no, a new idea, and that is that earlier in Chumash we found a story that might imply that Kriya Shalom asking for peace. Is something that we would do even in a Mulchemes Eretz Yisrael, even in a Mulchemes Chayva. And therefore, we're going to, uh, we'll see, Rashi is going to have to bring a secondary Raya. Not a secondary, but a second, stronger Raya. What's, what's this story? In Parshish Chukas and Parshish Dvarim, both Parshas that we already learned. Mesha sent two Sikhe Melacha Amiri. Amiri is one of the Sheva Umais on which it says, Lesachaya called the Shama, that you're not allowed to leave them alive. Mesha sends Divre Shalem words of peace. Lamer saying, Let us go through your land. From here we see very clearly. Even by an obligatory war, as the war of Eretz Yisrael, you should open up, you should create an opportunity for peace. Because certainly Moshe would not transgress 
the prohibition of the Torah against, against leaving anybody of the seven nations alive. So based on this, I would say, Ki can't be Mimulchemes Rishus. Because Divrei Shalom is also by Mimulchemes Chayva. Ki must mean when, when you go to war. Because if Mimulchemes Shalom, if, if Kriya Shalom was only by Mimulchemes Rishus, because by Mimulchemes, as you saw, you have to kill them, there's no reason to ask them for peace. Then why would Moshe ask for peace by uh, by Sichin Melech Almighty? Therefore, I if, if, if Rashi had no other proof, I would think that Kriya Lishalim is by both wars, and Ki over here means when, not if. Therefore, Rashi brings another ayah, as it is expressly said in this very section, this is how you should do to all of the distant cities. It's impossible to be talking about Eretz Yisrael. The Pasha says clearly the opposite. The Pasha clearly says this only applies to Arab Rechaikis, to faraway cities. And therefore, these, therefore, we can go back to the original key and say key means if. Because it can't be B'mechemes Chayva. Because the Pasuk says clearly, it's not B'mechemes Chayva. But in that case, how did Moshe Rabbeinu approach Sichai Melech with words of Shalom? And in order that you shouldn't have the question. How did Moshe Rabbeinu open up to Sichai with words of peace? Mighty Rashi with Chilis Perushay Gam Tevois, not just the word, so therefore Rashi quotes the word, not just the word key, but also Sikrav El Ir, Ubazem Rameis the Mashap, Sichai with the Vrishalim, Davke with Machemes Rishos. Rashi is alluding to the fact that that's what we're telling you, that to start with words of peace is only by Melchemes Rishos, but not by Melchemes Chayva, who rak kisha sikra ir. Only when you're approaching the city, when you're actually approaching it for war, then if it's a Melchemes Rishos, you start with peace. If it's a Melchemes Chayva, you don't start with peace. But if you're not actually approaching the city, or you're not actually approaching it for the purpose of war, it's okay to start with asking for peace, even for the seven nations. And that's how, would, that's how we would apply it in our case. The fact that Moshe here uh, 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 sends, extends words of peace to Sichain was because he wanted to cross over through his land. He wasn't approaching the city. He wasn't coming to battle against him. And he was therefore allowed to extend peace to Sichain. So now we've answered also the question base. What's the proof from Kisik Ravalir different than Kiseitze and Kisatsur? Because Kiseitze, you could say that it's going on Verisa Amrav, 
On Kisatsu, you could say that it's going on Satsur. But on Kisakriv, there's no, there's no, there's nothing to apply the key to. Therefore, therefore, it's different, and therefore, Rashi could learn from Melchamus Rishus. However, because there's another place where it speaks about Divide Shalom and Melchamus Chayva, so the, that key was not enough of a proof, and Rashi had to bring another proof from the words Kintasa Lechala Arim Arachikus. So, with this, we have answered all of our questions. Each key is seen in its own way. Let's summarize very quickly. The first key in in, in the parshas in parshas. He says to the Muhammad Rashi says nothing. The reason he says nothing is because there's no proof from Sutta Shalmikra that key means if. Because that, 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 that there's no proof from Sutta Shalmikra that we're talking about a Muhammad Nishus because the key could be applied to Vareisa Amrav. The second Kisikra second key, Kisikra Vilili Lachim Rashi says it right away because there's nothing to apply the key to other than to the actual war. So it therefore applies to, uh, therefore from this we learn the Mechemes Rishus. Nevertheless, it's not enough because of the other Mechemes, because Mechemes Chayva, I would think you should also start with the Shalim. And therefore Rashi has to bring another stronger raya from the words Kintasa Lachalar Marachaykis. Kisatsu Rashi doesn't say anything. Because key can go on satsur, and it will go on satsur regardless of whether it's Rishus or Chayva. And after he says Yamim Rabin, which we learned from here that we're talking about Kriya Lashalim, Rashi then tells us that if we're talking about Kriya Lashalim, then we must be talking about Milchemes Rishus. Then we have in our parsha, the key could go on Vishavisa Shivyoy, and therefore there's no compelling proof from key that it means Milchemes Rishus. But from the word Bishavisa Shivyoy, we do learn that it's Milchemes Rishus. And once we know that it's Milchemes Rishus, Ki could mean if, and Seitse could mean going out literally, not just figuratively. And therefore Rashi mentions it right at the beginning on the words Ki Seitse. Now we're going to continue in Eisvav, some of the wondrous halachic implications of this Rashi. And we're going to ask a question. If you look back at our Rashi, he, uh, meaning the Rashi in, in, at the beginning of Kiseitse, Rashi says, Why? If it was a war in Eretz Yisrael, you couldn't have used the words of So we're going to ask now the contrast of Rishus is Choyva. So if Rashi starts from Mechemes Rishus Akasu Medaber, he should have said, because by Mechemes Chayva, in Leymar Vishavisa Nevertheless, Rashi changes and says the words Eretz Yisrael. So he could have said Chutzlar at Eretz Yisrael, or Rishus and Chayva. He starts with Rishus and says Eretz Yisrael, and then we're going to ask why. Rashi, Maschel Pirush, Shibim Mechemes Rishus Akasu Medaber, U Messiah, Shibim Mechemes Eretz Yisrael, E Lemur Vesavisa Shivim. Vilachere, Havel Messiah, Mein Absicha, you should have concluded the Rashi on the same style as he started the Rashi, that Mechemes Chayva, because by a Chayva, Mechemes Chayva, you can't say Vesavisa Shivim. So why does he change? And the, the, the style, instead of talking about Rishus and Chayva, he starts talking about location. Additionally, had Rashi used the word he would have been able to include 
Shagam bo ain lay misavisa shivya, and the same reasoning would apply that you can't use the word misavisa shivya, Machamas Amolik, Shari Nistavu Timcha Zecher, Zecher, Zecher Amolik, Meish Adisha Vigaymer, because they've been, because the Yidden were commanded to destroy any remembrance of Amolik, men, women, etc. So also there you can't say Vishavisa Shivyay. So the reasoning would have fit even if you would have used the word Muhammad Chayva and included Amalek in this. So the question is, why does Rashi switch and say the words Muhammad Saras Yisrael? El Miram is Rashi. Rashi is hinting to us something. The Muhammad Saras Yisrael if this is a war to conquer Eretz Yisrael, even if this war for some reason is not obligatory, you still wouldn't say because even in a non-obligatory war of conquering Eretz Yisrael, the Neshama applies. And you would not be able to bring any captives back. As we will explain in a moment. In other words, Rashi is telling us that even in a non-obligatory war, but any war that has to do with conquering Eretz Yisrael, you would not say Vishavisa Shiva means to say you cannot bring home a captive. And he's going to explain. The parson is called Ksiv. I'm not going to chase away the other nations from before you in one year. Because that would make the land desolate. And that wouldn't be good for the land. It would destroy the land. Instead, slowly I will banish them from the land. Until you will multiply. And then you can inherit the land. So from this we understand, according to Pshat, we don't know if this is Taka the Halacha, but according to Pshut Yishomikra, that the mitzvah to remove, to banish the inhabitants of Eretz Yisrael, is only if you will not bring the land Eretz Yisrael to be desolate. Which implies, if you conquer the land and you can't fill it, you don't have enough people to fill it, this cannot be considered an obligatory war. Because the whole point of, of conquering Eretz Israel is in order to inhabit the land. Because otherwise it's going to be shmama, it's going to be desolate. So if I can't fill up the land, if I only have six people, and I'm conquering the whole Eretz Yisrael, and I have no one to put into, into parts of Eretz Yisrael, then there's no choiv to go to war at this time. And therefore, there is no, it's not a mochemes choiv. And we're going to say in the next page, but nevertheless, you still are obligated to kill the Knaim. Before we get to that, we're going to bring in something, I don't want to say parenthetically, because... There's no such thing in a sicha, but it's an, another another concept that uh, that is not that is based on what we're saying till here, but not directly connected. Valpiza, based on this, that 
the mitzvah of conquering Eretz Yisrael is only if you could immediately inhabit it, inhabit it. This will answer al derech a question that we have on the Yidden. We know that it took seven years to conquer Israel. How, how do the Yidin allow to, to delay, to procrastinate to the point that the Kibush of Israel took seven years? Even the Rashi, in Sefer Yeshua, it says over there, the Pasuk, it says that it took a long time for them to conquer Israel. So Rashi says this is a Gnus of Yeshua, this is a disgrace. To Yeshua. Why? Yeshua was told that you are going to help the Yidin inherit the land. So Yeshua figured as long as the Yidin are not in Eretz Yisrael, I'm going to have to live. So he wanted the mighty Chiyom, he wanted to live longer. So he figured the longer it takes to conquer Eretz Yisrael, the longer I'll live. So the fact that it took so long was a gnus, was, a, was an embarrassment, was not an embarrassment, was a, is, is, is said in the negative as a disgrace to Yeshua that he prolonged the entering Eretz Yisrael for a personal gain. So even though that, that's the answer to the question, a dying yikshit, still the question remains. Why didn't at least the skenim, the, the, the elders, why weren't they moiche? Whether they knew the reason, they didn't know the reason, why didn't they say to Yeshua, come on, let's do this. It shouldn't take so long. But more so, the question is stronger. Certainly Yeshua had a heter. He had some sort of reason or excuse beyond his own personal motives. He, had, he must have had a, a, a heter. Some, some permissibility to do so. But according to what we said here, we understand. Now that we understand that there's an Indian in slowing down the process, because you can't uh, conquer Israel if you don't have the people to inhabit the land. So we now understand what Yeshua's hatter was. Yeshua's, even though he, he, he did it for, for his own personal motives, but he had a hatter, he had an excuse. He had a reason. So that the land, Eretz Yisrael, should not be desolate. So this answers the question, what took them so long? What took them so long was that they were waiting to have enough people to be able to inhabit all of Eretz Yisrael. Valpiza Yuvon. Just a moment. Okay, let's leave it. Valpiza Yuvon. This will also understand why Rashi says he intended to postpone. Doesn't say Dacha he postponed. Ki hakavona, because his ulterior motive, mona it held him back from investing extra efforts, Shalitiya Mama, that the land should not be desolate. Because of that, it got postponed. In other words, Rashi doesn't say the gnus was that he postponed it. Because the fact that he postponed it was for a good reason. He postponed it, not for a good reason, but he, there, was a, there was a necessity. Because the, otherwise the, word, the land would be shmama. The gnus on Rashi, the gnus on Yeshua, is that he had an ulterior motive, and because of that, he didn't spend extra time to find a way around it. Had he not had an ulterior motive, he would have said, 
Taka, there's a problem of Shmama. Let's see what we could do. Maybe we could conquer. I, mean, I, I shouldn't give him ideas. I don't know what the idea would be. But Yeshua could have come up with an idea to, to be able to conquer Yisrael faster even without making the world, the, the land Shmama. But because he had an ulterior motive, that was the problem. The problem wasn't so much the Docha. The problem was his Skavin Lidchis. That's why Rashi, in, in, that's why in order 34, he says that Rashi says Gnusoi. This is the Gnus, this is the case to Yeshua. In other places, which he brings in the order, the Rashi uses the word Gnus and Shal Yisrael. Says that the Yidin didn't bring a carbon Pesach only once. They brought, only brought one carbon Pesach for all, all the 40 years. So Gnus and Shal Yisrael, Rashi says. Or they only kept one Shabbos, immediately, immediately the second Shabbos, Shabbos there was a Mekosh Shetzim, there was someone who was Bechal Shabbos. Gnus and Shal Yisrael. It was everybody's fault. Here Rashi says, Gnusoi, this is Yeshua's fault. Because it was his ulterior motive, his personal agenda that did not allow them to come up with a way to combat the Shmaba problem, the desolate problem, and be able to conquer it just all quicker. At Khan, this Indian about Yeshua. Let's go back to, let's go back to this idea that if Eretz Yisrael would not be able to be inhabited immediately after the war, then the war is not a chayf. Because, because we only want to conquer Eretz Yisrael if we could inhabit it. Therefore Rashi specifically says, specifies, Bilchemes Eretz Yisrael. Because in Mechemes is Yisrael Eze Shetiyeh in any war of Yisrael, Gam Kasher Eina Mechemes Chayva, even if it's not an obligatory war, because there's no one to inhabit Yisrael afterwards. Nevertheless, Nitzavul is the Chayek on the Shama. They were still commanded to not allow anyone to survive of the Knainim. Therefore, you can't say Bishavis Shivya. You can't take a captive if you meet a Knaini or a Knania. During this war, even though there's no obligation to be at war, you still have an obligation to fulfill Leisachaya Kal Mashama. The Hatam. And the reason. If it's a Melchemes Chayva, fine. But if it's not a Melchemes Chayva, why am I uh, just killing people? The reason is very simple. Leisachaya Kal Mashama, he meets with Neatma. The Enoch Shura, he meets with Kibush Yisrael. is its own mitzvah. Unrelated to Kibbutz Eretz Yisrael, and its purpose, that there should be no re- no survivors from these seven nations in Eretz Yisrael, as the pasuk says, so they shouldn't teach you their abominable ways. Since the Knainim lived such horrible lifestyles. Therefore, they are a bad influence on the Yidden. And therefore, eat whatever war you are, you're in, we have to remove the K'nainim and the Shiva, Shiva Umais from the world so they shouldn't be a negative influence on the Yidden. And now, now Rashi continues in the next Rashi, in our Parsha, Vishavisha Shivya, you will take a captive. This includes Kenanim 
Even though they're from the seven Umais, but if they're living outside of Eretz Yisrael and they've mingled in with some of the other nations that you're going to war against, you could take a Knaini as a captive. Now, based on this, we understand why Rashi has to say this. Based on what we just said in the previous paragraph, previous two paragraphs, that is not dependent on Kibbutz Eretz Yisrael. I would think even if you're going to a, a, a war of choice with nations in the outside of Eretz Yisrael, I would think also to take a captive from the Kenayim amongst them. And you still are, are, are warned, you still are told you have to fulfill his Kenayim, meaning like this. Until near, until this shot, I was under the impression that was connected to Kibbutz Eretz Yisrael. So if I'm conquering Eretz Yisrael, then I have to, in order to conquer the soul, how do I conquer the soul? By getting rid of the people who live there. So the Sechayek on the Shema, I have to get rid of everyone. That's how I conquer the soul. Came the Sicha and taught us a Chiddush. The Le Sechayek on the Shema, Rashi's Chiddush. The Le Sechayek on the Shema is not connected directly with Kibbutz Eretz Yisrael. And even if we're not inhabiting Eretz Yisrael, nevertheless, if we happen to be at war in Eretz Yisrael, we are not allowed to allow the, the K'nainim to survive. We have So now I'm going to say, and, and there's a reason. Because we're, we're afraid of their influence. So I might have thought that this would apply even to a K'nainim who's outside of Eretz Yisrael. Therefore Rashi says, For the fact that it says, I'm not 100% sure, but I think the Pshat is because it could have said Vishavisa uh, Mayhem or Vishavisa or, or something else. The fact that it says Shiviyoi, the, the captive from its captive, the, the captive of that nation, implies anybody that's there, even a Knaini, Afal Umais, even if they are from the seven nations. And the Tzachayek on the Shema only applies on the seven nations who are dwelling in Eretz Yisrael. So even though it's not connected to Kibush Eretz Yisrael, but he has to be living in Eretz Yisrael for you to be obligated to the on the Shema. Once he moved away to a different country, you're not obligated on the Tzachayek on the Shema. And in order 38, he explains the reason, the reason he says very simple. When they're living in Eretz Yisrael, they're in clusters. And, 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 and they could set trends. And, and their, their ways can influence others. But once they have assimilated into another land, into another country, into another culture, then we are not afraid of the influence of one Knaini living amongst many other people. And therefore, there's no reason to kill the Knaini living amongst other people. And you could, if you, you could bring them home as a captive of war, even though they are from the Shiva Umois. So th that this was a whole new discussion, which you learn from Rashi, to, to, to separate between Kibush Eretz Yisrael and Lisechayek on the Shema. And based on that, we understand why Rashi has to tell us that you're allowed to, 
that you're allowed to uh, take a, a Chevy from other nations because now that I know that that Lesachayek on the Shema is not connected to a Kibosh Yisrael, I would have thought that wherever the Knaini is, Lesachayek, and therefore he tells me, no, that Lesachayek on the Shema only applies in Eretz Yisrael. Finally, in Isaiah, we get to the Yenus Shal to the Chesidus. It's known the teaching of the Al Tadebishapirishashi the Rashi is the wine of Tayra. Meaning to say that just like you draw the wine out from the grape, so too that Rashi has within it also the deepest secrets of Tayra. So means a move on Shapirishashi Masimum from this we understand that the Pirush of Rashi is consistent with Tayra. Which brings us to a question. In the Mamorim of Chesidus, that are in the beginning of this week's parsha, it's explained that land, when you go out to war, is referring on a, on a spiritual level on the Mulchama of the Nefesh or Lekis against the Nefesh Abamis or the Yitzhahara during davening the Shaslesha Shaskrava like it says in the Zoya that the time of davening is a time of battle a time of war and the Melech he says the Mulchama means when you're going to go daven and your Nefesh or Lekis is battling with your Nefesh Abamis how is this consistent in with Rashi's Pirus that we're talking about something that's not a chayv? First of all, davening is a chayv. Davening is an obligation. And if Kisait Salah Muhammad is talking about the Muhammad of davening, then how could you call it the Muhammad Number two, the whole purpose of the Yididas and Hashama is for the Birurim, is for the Biruranitsutas. The war, that's why the Nishama is here. How could you call that a, a, a choice? I mean, it could be a choice, but how could you call it a the whole, it's, the, it's the whole reason why the Nishama came to this world. The Abir Bazet, the Bir is as follows. Before it became a Mekaymist, it's explained in several places throughout the Chesidus. One of the, one of the uh, 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 famous places where this is discussed is in the Mamarim of Padre Vashalem. Mikrovli, Padre Vashalem Nashi, Mikrovli. She has based that there are two manners, two styles in being Mavara in a way of Mulchama, and based in a way of peace. War, with a war or with a, in a peaceful way, would generally speaking divide itself between Abedis Atfila Davening, Shaskrava, which Davening is called the time of battle. Aveda to the Aveda, which is you're accomplishing through learning Teda, which it says that the ways of Teda are ways of pleasantness, and its paths are paths of peace. So the Teda's approach is Shalom, is Noyam Vishalim is peace. Aveda through Davening, you you refine the Yetzahara from down here. From you starting from below towards going upwards. By the Nefesh Olikis coming down into and clothing itself into the Nefesh Abamis in order to, in order to uh, fix it or refine it 
from within. And therefore it comes through major battle and toil. Because you're, you're lowering, your, the Nefesh HaLekis is lowering itself to the state of the Nefesh Abamis and has to find a way to, to, to get the Nefesh Abamis on board within the, 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 the comfort area of the Nefesh Abamis. The Nefesh Abamis is, is Lamata. The Nefesh Abamis comes Lamata into the Nefesh into the, into the Nefesh Abamis in order to, to, to change it. Nefesh Abamis is surrounded by all of its behemoth Shazachim. So it, it, it's, a, it, it's a battle. But the beard of Teira is Milamayla Lamata, but it's an automatic. He draws down and reveals a lukus in his in his in his nefesh. And this the nefesh alikniyetzara falls away, becomes nullified, it becomes nothing, and it becomes refined on its own. In other words, this is uh, uh, it's one paragraph, but there's probably hundreds of mamarim of chassidus that speak about the the that there's sometimes that you have to fight with it in order to break it. Sometimes you just overwhelm it with light, with light, with positivity, and it breaks by itself. And here, he's, he, he, like in many other places, Tzvila is B'derech Islapsus, and therefore it's B'derech Melchama, and Tere is B'derech Melmaila Lamata, B'derech Memela, and therefore it's B'derech Shashalom, or B'derech Be'efe Shalom and that's why Birurim is called because there is an option. You could be Mavara the Yitzhara through Tayra. And then you're being Mavara the Yitzhara in a way of Menucha. So the fact that you have to go to war against the Nafs Abamis, that is. A choice. And if you're going to ask, what about davening? If specifically the Kisei is talking about davening, davening is a chayva. So I'm not sure if this was the kavana, but it could be. In the other 42, he brings from Eir Atera, And he says like this. He references Eir Atera, and he says like this. By everybody, in the beginning of their Aveda, the only way to, to fight the Yitz Nefesh Abamis is through Tfilah. And therefore it's a Melchemes Chayva. Later, once you, you, you started the Aveda, then you have the option of Tfilah or Teira, a Melchama or Menucha. Therefore it's a Melchemes Chayva. But in the beginning of war, in the beginning of the Aveda, everyone agrees not everyone agrees. In, in, in every person, there is davening is a chayv because being mevarer the yitzhara derech melchama is mandatory mitchilas avid. The fact that as he says melchama serishus is because once you start your avodah, then you have the choice to go b'derech menucha, and and therefore it's considered a melchama serishus.